0: The great outdoors it doesn't seem to ever get tiring the stories that come from these places are always unpredictable sometimes they're just downright unexplainable well these viewers from the swamp once again sent in their allegedly true encounters while being in the great outdoors these stories are going to range from being in cabins from hunting to hiking and everything in between as always if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Now, without further ado, be sure to elbow that like button in the face, be sure to subscribe if you're new, turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, and get ready for these creepy and allegedly true outdoors horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. Something is watching my cabin by anonymous I have not told anybody online about this story I have been watching your channel for quite some time and thought this would be the perfect place to share it so when I was about 13 years of age I visited my grandparents in a cabin in the woods for quite a few days things were going completely normal and my grandpa went out to get deer corn to leave out so we could take pictures of them in front of the cabin. A lot of deer came throughout the day, and it was at night that something I will never forget happened. It was sometime around 11 p.m. when I went outside to put out more corn. A large group of deer emerged from the trees when I stepped near the woods. They all looked fine except for one of them. One of them looked completely different. It was abnormally large, about two feet taller than the rest. It had no ears or antlers and its, and its eyes looked like it was glowing a strange yellow. Then it stood up on its hind legs, pacing back and forth making weird noises, almost like a whistle mixed with a deep barking sound. I got so scared that I chucked the rest of the corn in my hand at it, then quickly ran inside. I went into the cabin's raised porch to see what it was doing, but it stopped pacing and stood there, looking at me and barking. I slept in the cabin's basement, which was pretty cozy. It had a pool table, a TV, a dinner table, and a couch, with two bedrooms. I locked the doors and stayed awake all night out of fear. It was gone by morning, but I was still pretty terrified. Me and my grandparents booked it out of there after I told them what happened. They were sleeping at the time, so I didn't bother waking them up. I'm surprised they actually believed me. It indeed was a terrifying experience, and to be honest, I'm still a little shaken up from this. My Encounter with Wood Spirits by Anonymous. This happened to me while working in a factory on the border of Kansas and Missouri. I usually work an eight hour shift and the tasks were pretty repetitive, so I often listened on my wireless earbuds connected to my phone under my workstation table. I usually performed with a college student. As she recommended, I tried listening to free tarot card readings on YouTube. I kind of liked them. They were usually entertaining. But I once listened to a tarot card reading that creeped me out, and I remembered it. It was some YouTube channel labeled Witch Tarot or something like that. Two older women sat across from each other at a table with strange symbols, and all you saw were their hands and the cards. The women had rough voices and often cackled throughout the reading as if they found it humorous but the task, everything they were saying, was ominous. They, they kept saying to watch out for the children. They mentioned a campfire and some wood spirits they called brownies. They explained that there would be a giant bonfire at a party and to watch the children because as they cackled about it, the brownies were known to do dangerous things to harm people and cause mischief. I remember this reading vividly because the women seemed to find the whole thing darkly humorous. Fast forward three months to 4th of July, and a friend of my husband invited our family, my husband and me and our two children, to a barbecue party and bonfire. They seemed pretty excited about it, and my husband really wanted to go. But the word bonfire, for whatever reason, made me reluctant inside. And I felt oddly uncomfortable because I remembered the strange witch tarot card reading with the two cackling women. I kept that to myself all week but felt increasingly more uncomfortable. The morning of the party, I faked being sick, I just had this nasty, ominous, intuitive, foreboding feeling I could not shake. I begged my husband. I begged him. I just said, please stay home, take care of me, and keep the kids at home too. We watched movies that night at home, and my husband was unhappy. The following day, I checked my usual Facebook feed and was shocked to see a picture of a man in the ICU in the hospital, with massive burns all over his body and bandaged up. It turns out it was the woman's husband who invited us to her bonfire party. She said her husband was critically injured with significant burns all over his body. Somehow, it had happened so fast, he had somehow ended up in the bonfire. Nobody knows how it happened, not even he does. They thought he got drunk and tripped. Fortunately, others could pull him out before the burns themselves became too bad, and they called an ambulance. Maybe it's all coincidence, but I'm delighted I did not take my family, especially my children there that night. Creature Encounter in Northwest England, by Harlem Karma. I'm a 16 year old living in the Northwest of England, and I encountered a creature that was so strange that I believe it resembled a dinosaur. The encounter happened in 2019 sometime in December, when I was with friends in the small village of Bolton-les-Sands. We all met one day, hoping to build a bushcraft shelter like the ones you see all over YouTube. One of my friends at the time, James, said he knew of an isolated and hidden spot, everything we could have hoped for, so we all agreed to follow him to the unknown location. After about 20 minutes of walking through farmers' fields and thin paths, we were met with a barbed wire fence, and to the left of that, on a tree, there was a sign that said, Private. As young kids, we ignored the warning and carefully climbed over the metal fence. After we all successfully got over, we looked around for a brief minute to observe the creepy yet somewhat beautiful forest. It was so scary that some of the trees looked like tortured souls with faces. Maybe we were all just being paranoid, but we all got a similar feeling that we were being watched by something or someone. After about five minutes of walking through the dense woodland, One of my friends said he had seen movement in the distance. He pointed forward, and to all our shock, there in plain sight, we laid eyes on the strangest, most obscure creature I've ever seen. It looked like it belonged in a science fiction movie. The best way I could describe it was that the beast looked like one of those raptors from Jurassic Park. We panicked as we watched it quickly run into the neighboring tree line. I counted down from five to one and we all ran backwards to the fence and climbed over it with sheer fear as if the creature was chasing after us. We ran, with no stopping, back to my house. We sat in my living room and discussed what we had just freaking seen. We all agreed at the same time that it looked like a dinosaur. Nowadays, none of those friends believe or even take recognition of the encounter, and they all put it down as some sort of crazy natural thing we probably saw, like a deer. I don't know how they could even mistake that for a deer, though. To be honest, I'm happy that I saw what I saw that day, as it led me to create the YouTube channel that I run today and find many cool podcasts like your own. The Creepy Woods by Spooky Cookies I don't know what happened, and it's really freaking me out. I just need some help understanding what happened to me and my friends. I want to preface this by saying it's 3 a.m. while I'm writing this and I'm sorry for any grammar mistakes. Now let me explain. Two days ago, I was with my friends, Callie and Xander, and we were at my grandparents' house while they were out of town because I am a caretaker of the house, when they are gone usually, and my friends wanted to hang out for some time, so I invited them over. After I finished all my chores, I decided I wanted to take them to my old hideout in the woods. I remember telling them the woods were off limits and that I'd be in trouble if my uncle caught us here. Xander was a little hesitant but ended up going with me and Callie. They both agreed to go. I did not force them. Like a group of stupid teens in a horror movie, we all walked into the woods looking just to have some fun and mess around. We get to the opening of the woods and I tell them it will be a huge climb. Callie pulls out her phone and starts recording. Xander sounds scared and says he's not good at climbing, but Callie convinces him to go anyway. After Xander agrees, Callie screams, Bring it on! Jokingly. It's essential for the story later, before entering the woods with Xander and myself. We get about halfway to the hideout when Xander stops and says he has an eerie feeling. I tell him it's probably just nothing, he's probably just over worrying and we continue walking. We were at my old hideout in a few minutes, and Callie started being loud and obnoxious. I reminded her to be quiet because of my uncle. At some point, Xander asked if we could leave because his back was starting to hurt. So I do believe we got up and started walking back at that time. We left the woods and started to walk back to the house when Xander and Callie started to freak out, saying they didn't have a good feeling. I told them I didn't feel anything, but I got a terrifying image right as I said that. It was… it was of this thing that was 6'5". It was… it was like a shadow, black as night. It was a muscular figure with horns crawling on all fours. I tell them this, and Callie says she needs to sit down because it feels like someone just punched her in the stomach. And then she collapses onto the ground. I look at Xander and ask him to help me get her up. She was still awake, but really out of it. We walk with her and only get a few steps when she regains consciousness. She looks at us and says, I'm scared. After she says this, we hear a little kid screaming bloody murder. Without thinking, we all begin to sprint back to the house. We return to the house and Xander and I are freaking out, but Callie, she is oddly calm. It's like she wasn't even affected by this anymore. We asked her what was wrong and she wouldn't answer. Five minutes into trying to see if she's okay, she starts mumbling in a language that definitely wasn't English and for as long as I've known Callie, I've only known her to know English. She keeps mumbling and then starts laughing too. I tell Xander to get Callie to the car while I run inside to lock the doors. I lock the house down and then I run to my car. Xander is holding Callie now and I'm trying to find my keys. I find it in my pocket and I unlock the car for Xander and Callie to get in. I hop in the car and crank it while Xander gets her buckled in. Xander gets in the car and I rush out of there. Heading to my dad's house to get my sage and stuff because at this point, Xander and I feel like Callie's possessed. I'm speeding through some back roads to get to my dad's house quicker because I realized the longer we're in the car, the worse Callie was getting. She was becoming unresponsive and not reacting to anything we were saying to her. She was completely catatonic in a sense. We get her to my dad's house and I run inside to get the sage. I told Xander to take her outside to the backyard so my neighbors wouldn't see us. Sander sits her down and I light the sage, smudging the sage and saying something along the lines of, this is her body, not yours, you need to leave, I do not welcome you here. And things about like that. It took about 20 minutes, but eventually, Callie starts coming back to her normal self. We asked her what was happening, and she said she didn't remember anything and felt trapped. Six or seven minutes later, my dad called me and told me he had just left work and that he was going to pick up some dinner. I told him I had some friends over, and he offered to get them food too. At this point, we had began to calm down. We told him what we want, eat, and laugh like nothing had happened. But unfortunately, the story doesn't end here. The next day, my friend Xander didn't come to school. I texted him asking if he was okay, and this is what he said to me. Yeah, I'm fine. Something happened last night, though, and it made me stay up until 3am. So my mom let me stay home. He followed up with, I think a spirit attached to me, like an evil one. Callie texted me saying something felt very wrong at her house as well. She sent me a video, and it was her walking into her room, and the blinds were moving by themselves. Stuff was knocked off the shelves, and she was freaking out because none of her family were home. She was alone all hours of the day after school, and to be honest, I don't like the feeling I get sleeping at my dad's. Not to mention I have guinea pigs, and they've been acting weird since this happened. Like, they're more aggressive towards each other and myself now. I can't explain it. Why I'll Never Revisit Colorado by Anonymous. Let me start by giving some background. I'm a 25 year old man. I love the outdoors. Anything to do with camping, swimming, ice skating, anything to do with the outdoors in general, is my thing. Well, this story takes place in a snowy tundra back on the date of 11-13-2017 in the Colorado Rocky Mountains National Park. My friend Jay, John, and Alyssa were going up there for a camping session as we all have this in common now. I know, I heard the stories on this channel a million times of people going into the national parks and never returning, but this is something entirely different. We thought this was going to be a nice getaway but it quickly turns into a hell I'll never forget. I'll always be thankful for the shotgun and the bullets I had gotten from my cousin. He makes Dragon Breath-style type shells, for this will be important later. So, back to what we were doing. It was like any other day, traveling from Berks County, Pennsylvania, all the way up to the Rockies. As you can imagine, this was one hell of a three-day plan for us to get there. We would leave Friday and come home on a Sunday. Well. Everything was good for most of the trip. You know how long rides go, staying in crappy motels and stopping and eating very sketchy gas station food. Anyways, we finally arrived at the Colorado Rocky Mountain National Forest on a day colder than most. We had the usual traveling stuff for this sort of thing, and we made sure to pack extra clothing. We wanted to make sure we were plenty warm for what Mother Nature presented us, because what she showed us that day was, to say the least, harsh climate weather. So we began our trek into the mountains, and everything was going very well. Nothing crazy happened, except for the occasional breeze of wind, until nighttime hit. We established a base camp at roughly 15 miles that day, deep inside the Rockies. We got a fire going, and we're grilling some weenies and beans. Nothing wrong with that, until I went to take a leak. I had this unbearable, unshakable feeling like we were not alone and I could feel this before my foot touched the ground, I got bad vibrations instantly. The moment I was alone, I got major red flags. Me being me, I didn't want to spook my friends, so I didn't say anything, and just kept a lookout. Besides, my friends weren't really big into cryptids or ghosts or anything spooky like that, so I didn't want to really kill the vibe. As moving forward into the story seems this feeling I got went away, but at the same time... It still kind of stayed close. I zipped up my pants and went back to my friend who was already getting drunk and eating. Thankfully, nothing else happened that night, so we ate and called it a night. Sometime around 2.37am, I had awoken harshly in my sleep to this god-awful feeling of being watched, like if you've ever stared at someone for so long as they joke, and they turn around and then suddenly you're there. Well, that's almost the way I felt, But in the tents were just Jay, Alyssa, who were a couple, and myself. So they slept on their own side, and I was on my own. I zipped up the flap and poked my head out of my tent slowly. I was looking around, and I saw nothing. Everybody else was in their tents, and honestly, it seemed like people were sleeping. I slowly crawled back into my sleeping bag, and somehow, out of the grace of God, I managed to fall back to sleep. The next day we get up and nothing seems out of the ordinary the sun is out but it looked like it snowed a bit trying to be rational and thinking maybe i was just hearing things and we're in the mountains it tends to snow a bit here and maybe i just heard that last night as the day progresses though i noticed something my friends never did it was absolutely silent all around us the entire time and while i've been out in the woods near cougars and bears and know that when predators are around it goes quiet, this was something much different. John turns to me with a beer in his hand and somewhat getting wasted already around noon, and he says, What's the problem, man? You seem like you've seen a monster or something. I've told them about my encounters in the past with things that I believed to be dogman and stuff, and usually they were more cool about it, but I'm assuming the alcohol kind of made them kind of jerks. Jay and Alyssa are more sensitive to this and don't patronize me for believing in such things, as they know there is no judgment for what others believe. That's what made us friends in the first place. Anyways getting off topic, I tell him to shut up and tell him to stop being drunk. We stand in silence for a minute listening though, and eventually he does admit that he doesn't hear anything. Alyssa breaks the ice and says, why is it so silent? I immediately tell her nothing probably just your regular Colorado bobcat. Now, I know these things can get big, so I assure them not to worry. I brought a nice warming gift if it decided to say hello, reassuring them that my trusty old Remington 870 pump action shotgun would definitely get the job done. They turn around and continue the walk. Maybe if I said what I really felt, none of this would have actually happened as it did. So, we were about 50 miles inside the Colorado Mountain National Park and it's evening time. John was drunk as a skunk. He pitched his tent poorly. What do you want from a guy getting drunk since noon? It was at least 6 o'clock when we arrived further in. John, being John, decided that they weren't going to help set up and they were just going to sleep, which honestly we didn't bother him because he was sauced up and would be more useful sleeping. Me, Jay, and Alyssa unpacked and pitched our tents and established a fire to cook the cubed steak with greens and other goodies in a pot that we brought for our three-day trip. As we cook the food, I tell Jay I'm going to have a look around. I left my shotgun behind and told Jay if anything happens, point, breathe, and shoot. But be careful, she's a hot one. He'll soon realize what I meant by this. So I go on my little journey. I like to call these big walking trips, if you will. It's just something i called them since I was a kid. I'm loving it though, because it's just me and the sun was going down just over the horizon, giving me more peace of mind, but at the same time, it got me thinking from earlier. What was with that sense of silence? Was it really some sort of big cat or bear? So now, I realize it's been an hour and it's about to be dark out. I've been walking in a straight line for an hour. I turned around and began the trek back to camp, but I could not help this feeling of being watched the entire time. Like, if I were to turn around, there would be nothing there, but you could just feel like something, or someone was staring you down. I ignored the best I can, and soon reached back to camp. Alyssa woke up John, and John being John, winding down from the beers he had earlier, decided to say, "'What are you doing? Looking for a girlfriend out here or something?' I laughed and said, yeah, she's real sturdy and goes timber when I make her go down. Jay laughs a bit, and so does Alyssa. John just grumbles and says, are we eating or what? Of course the meal was ready, and it had been for about two hours. Jay and Alyssa have been waiting for me, so, like always, we dig in as a group. I was in heaven for the time being, sharing laughs with my friends and in just enjoying the food and getting away from the hustle and bustle of everyday life. Little did any of us know, though that would be one of the worst nights we would ever experience we all finish up and get ready to hit the bed it's about 9 going on 10 p.m and we have a long day ahead of us we will be hiking all the way back to where we started which would roughly take a bit to get back so john says he must take a pee i say well go ahead if you're looking for a bathroom it's all around you he tells me to shut up and i snicker a bit john goes off and Jane, and Alyssa are now in their tent trying to unwind I was outside, still stoking the fire and thinking, as I usually do. I eventually stop poking the fire and look around. That feeling of being watched comes back, but intensifies as all get out. I yell for John, but I get no response. I again call out louder for John, and still get no response. I tell him to stop playing games and come back and get some rest, man. We gotta get up early. Again, I get no response. I'm starting to get freaked out now so I go and try to find him. I went in the direction that I saw him going, which was about 100 to 150 yards in. I'm yelling for him, searching everywhere, and can find absolutely nothing. I then stop and look around and observe my surroundings a bit better. I noticed once again it was dead silent, like to the point you can hear your ears ringing. I begin walking slightly in a different direction because I see what looks like John's head peering out near a tree side. I begin saying, come on man, you're not scaring me, I've been in more situation. Then what I see next has me stop immediately in my tracks. There was John, he was there with what looked like an icicle sticking out of his neck. I'd say it was three feet in length if I had to guess. But uh, I don't even know how to describe what I saw. I know this kind of damage can only be done by something strong though, something uh, otherworldly. What could decapitate somebody and then impale them on an icicle? Now, I've listened to the Swamp Dweller show for a long time. I've heard of stories of skimwalkers and wendigos and stuff like that. But one that I heard about recently was the Washuge. And this seemed to be a perfect match. But out here, this is far away from its original territory. I'm not even sure there have ever been sightings in this area. I say I know this because I have seen some very interesting information from a friend who has gone up against what he believes to be a Washuge in the past and lived to tell the tale. Of course, he has some markings on himself to prove this, and I'll have to ask if he can be polite enough to send some pictures in for you guys. I'd love to show you if they are willing. Anyways, as I looked at John's body, his throat gushed out with blood from such a deadly weapon had me shaking a bit, because this wasn't some cryptid you get away from. This is when you prepare to die, when you meet it. I'm trying to go over every scenario in my head. As I'm examining the body, I heard Alyssa screaming and flakes begin to form around as I ran fast, trying to get to the camp. As I get back, I finally see Jay and Alyssa totally freaked the hell out, saying they saw some sort of 13-foot looking monster staring at them from 200 yards away in the tree line. Apparently. She ran back to the camp as fast as she could because she was peeing at the time. She wasn't even that far away from the campsite. It started to snow pretty hard at that time, so I got my shotgun and made sure it was ready, and I told Alyssa to stick by Jay's side, and I gave Jay a cast iron sheet for cooking and told them to use this as a shield and no matter what, don't break the line. He asked me about John, but I looked at him and gave him this look as to not say it out loud and get Alyssa freaked the hell out though, but I think he apparently understood me, and was kind of thankful about it. As we began to get ready for a fight of our life, we tried to form a barrier-like line, and began to steady jog as snow began to pour down. I didn't care much about the cold. If I got what was left of my friends out of there, that was all that mattered to me. We begin our trek back to the car, but suddenly, I don't know how to explain it, I don't know if you have ever had this feeling before. It's that feeling that you get in the pit of your stomach when you react before something actually happened. Well, this was me, somehow, I pushed Jay and Alyssa over and got grazed by some sort of icicle, it was about 3 feet long, it was like something launched it at me, similar to how you would throw a spear or maybe shoot an arrow from a bow. My friends helped me up and I told them, here are the keys to the car, go now, don't look back, and run as fast as you can. I'll be there in no time. As they were freaked the hell out, they listened to me. They were reluctant on leaving me behind, but I eventually got them to go. I distracted this thing as my friends made it to the car. So here's where things get absolutely crazy. Remember the shells I told you about? Well, I just now remembered Washuge are weak to fire, so here it was. Me This, what I can only assume is a Washuge, all alone for some reason. This thing really seemed to want me. After all, it saw me as the strongest, I guess. It wanted to pick me off first and let my friends go, knowing damn well it could kill them too before they made their decision to do so. The snow dies down, and I am met with this monstrosity of a creature. Like Alyssa said, this thing has to be 13 feet. That's right, but the way its body was... The way it stood there frozen like a statue only breathing from its open mouth? It was absolutely a sight to behold. If I didn't see the steam releasing from its mouth, I would think this thing was dead. Here we are, the big showdown. I put up my shotgun. The distance between me and the Washuge was at least ten feet. We could probably reach out our hands and meet in the middle and touch. It was snowing really hard though, and it was almost impossible to see each other even though we were barreling down on each other. I think back to John, and then think to myself, and all those other people that have gone missing in the past couple of years in this park. Was it this thing that had done it? I didn't care. All I knew is that I wanted it dead. It wasn't so much as revenge but justice in my words. As I put the gun up to shoot the Washuge, it was already on its attack, and it felt like time stood still for a few seconds. I reacted so fast I just closed my eyes and shot point-blank range. I peeked my eye open to see that I got it right in the face, and this thing was burning. This whole thing's body caught on fire. I stood back a bit, feeling the dragon's breath round burn the Washuge. I took another shot at it, and I got it right in the chest this time. Hearing this thing's horrific painful screech, this thing rolled over and I swear I heard it mumble something. Like, And like that, the yellow-eyed pinpricks for this thing's eyes glowed, but the Washuge was clearly dead. I picked myself up, saying I'm sorry to John for being an ass to him. I should have been a better friend, because you never know when it could be your last word. Instead of finding the negative, I should have found out why he was the way he was. But to you, sir, I hope you're somewhere better. As for my friends, they made it safe. I soon arrived, it becoming day roughly about 6.36am, I got back to the car, put my shotgun in the back, got in, and didn't say anything the entire ride back. Now I know my story might sound completely unbelievable, and I completely understand that. Even my own friends don't really want to believe it. I'd rather that than an argument though. About a year has passed now and I finally told Alyssa what happened after about three months. I told her what actually happened to John and how I killed the creature. Her and Jay also broke up, and she hasn't heard anything from him since. Honestly, I think it really affected us all differently. I don't know. Some days, I wonder if this thing will come find me or my friends. Honestly, I think it might be best that I cut all ties with everyone involved. And after hearing about Sam White Owl... I'm going to do my best to join these people who hunt down these beasts. So, everyone I kill will be one less to worry about. Thank you, Swamp, and hello to all the swamp folk alike. May you be safe out there. You have no idea what's in the dark watching. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true outdoors horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. As always, if you enjoyed these stories, be sure to elbow that like button in the face as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm and that helps the swamp grow its ever-expanding waters. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode as I upload them multiple times a week. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. You can also submit them on Reddit at r slash thedarkswamp. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Stories like yours help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're on the go, but don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller Scary Stories, no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you made it all the way to the end, be sure to comment the code word flying spaghetti monster to confuse anybody who didn't make it to the end. The funniest comment will be pinned at to the top, per usual. Thank you guys for supporting the swamp, and I'll see you soon with another creepy episode.